I like that song. I like that line. We will not compromise. That's the kind of churches we need to arise and uh, take a stand for the Lord. And I'm glad to see each and every one of you here this morning. Take your Bibles and turn to Proverbs 4. Proverbs 4 this morning will be our text in just a moment. And I want to thank you for praying for our church planners. We have different regions of the country we're talking about this spring. And uh, I think about uh, the two that were mentioned, Brother Kim and Brother Yap. And uh, these are guys that graduated several years ago from West Coast. And uh, we have formed a, uh, an organization, I guess you would call it, a loosely knit organization called California for Christ, which is really just a group of pastors sending funds every month into a central uh, account so that we can help church planters. And uh, it's been a joy to meet with those two men in particular the last few months. And uh, we've given them both $10,000 grants for their startup cost. And uh, I think between California for Christ and Lancaster Baptist Church, we're supporting each of them over $2,000 a month just from this ministry. Uh, and then they're raising funds elsewhere. And uh, we want to get behind uh, men, of course, graduates of West Coast, uh, really anybody that has good, strong doctrine from across the country that comes to California. We want to get behind them financially and spiritually. And if these men will, as the song said a moment ago, not compromise, if they'll stand for soul winning and our Baptist distinctives, and if they'll stand for uh, biblical separation and so forth, we want to stand with them as they uh, really preach the gospel in needy communities. And so some of you could be on that very precipice a few years from right now, having uh, graduated, maybe having served somewhere for a few years, and, and ready to maybe take a struggling church or start a church in a needy city. Don't lose sight of that vision, and uh, be sure uh, to stay wide open to what God has for your life. And uh, I uh, am so thankful for what we're seeing with our college graduates. I was preaching in uh, North Carolina Friday and Saturday and Sunday and met several graduates working in the church there at uh, Liberty Baptist. And uh, one of them, a uh, uh, basketball player, Brother uh, Iman Vicentes, uh, is, uh, uh, I remember when he was here on the basketball team, big, big, huge basketball player. And I remember talking to him a few times about just his relationship with the Lord and his coach and just, just kind of mentoring him a bit. And now to see him uh, leading a, a great youth ministry and up there singing in the choir and just happy in the service of the Lord. It really blessed my heart and, and uh, several others, Cam Kettner. And then uh, down in Florida, probably saw 30 graduates there as well. And, and um, just taking a good stand and you know, pastoring churches, working in the ministry. And uh, it's a blessing all over this nation to see them and uh, to see their attitude still strong and uh, loving the Lord and loving to serve the Lord. So uh, you're on a good path right now. And uh, the direction that you're heading in, don't let the devil cause you to question and, and uh, get you to uh, get involved in some other thing. Just stay steadfast. Keep your hand to the plow. Finish this semester. Take it one semester at a time, and uh, you'll be glad that you did. Let's stand together uh, as we turn to Proverbs 4. I want to read 18 verses, uh, and then we'll pray. And so follow with me as I read. Hear ye, children, the instruction of a father, and attend to no understanding. For I give you good doctrine. Forsake ye not my law. For I was my father's son, tender and only beloved in the sight of my mother. 
He taught me also and said unto me, Let thine heart retain my words, keep my commandments, and live. Get wisdom, get understanding, forget it not, neither decline from the words of my mouth. Forsake her not, and she shall preserve thee. Love her, and she shall keep thee. Wisdom is the principal thing. Therefore get wisdom, and with all thy getting get understanding. Exalt her, and she shall promote thee. She shall bring thee to honor when thou dost embrace her. She shall give to thine head an ornament of grace. A crown of glory shall she deliver to thee. Hear, O my son, and receive my sayings, and the years of thy life shall be many. I have taught thee in the way of wisdom. I have led thee in right paths. When thou goest, thy steps shall, be, shall not be straightened, and when thou runnest, thou shalt not stumble. Take fast hold of instruction. Let her not go. Keep her, for she is thy life. Enter not into the path of the wicked, and go not in the way of evil men. Avoid it. Pass not by it. Turn from it and pass away. For they sleep not, except they have done mischief, and their sleep is taken away, unless they cause some to fall. For they eat the bread of the wickedness and drink the wine of violence. But the path of the just is as the shining light that shineth more and more unto the perfect day. Let us pray. Father, we thank you this morning for the privilege of coming to chapel and, and hearing the preached word. And we pray that you would uh, help the word of God uh, to direct our hearts and our paths this morning. Meet the needs of these students, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. When you read the book of Proverbs, you are reading more than simply a collection of letters from Rehoboam to his son Solomon. Though that is contextually accurate in most every passage, the fact is that what you're truly reading is God the Father speaking to you as one of his children. God's Word coming into your heart and helping us to understand the principles of the Holy Spirit which direct us in life. As we read Proverbs 4, and as we consider uh, the sayings uh, of Solomon to, uh, to Rehoboam, we find in this passage that there is a key phrase given in verse 2, which says, For I give you good doctrine. I give you good doctrine. Now again, when you think about the context of a father speaking to a son, every loving father's desire should be to give direction to his son for living. Some of you do not have a godly father, and so you're looking to the Word of God and to godly mentors, and, and that's a good thing. But ultimately, we look to the Word of God. And the Word of God says, I give you good doctrine. Let's say that together. I give you good Now, the word doctrine speaks of a set of beliefs. In West Coast Baptist College, we study systematically the great doctrines of our faith, for example, which deal with bibliology, soteriology, ecclesiology, and, and so forth. And uh, Dr. England and others make sure that there's a scope and sequence involved so that you are able to speak from the Word about the Bible itself, about uh, the inspiration of the Bible, the preservation of the Bible, or about 
uh, the church itself, the origin of the church, the operation of the church, or uh, about the doctrine of sin, the origin of sin, the atonement for sin. These are some of the great doctrines of the Word of God, and, and certainly we come to Bible college to learn those doctrines. And again, West Coast Baptist College is not a liberal arts college with a little Bible department. This is a Bible college. We want all of you to know the great doctrines of the Word of God so that as you stand and teach and preach, you can rightly divide the Word of truth. But there is a general sense, too, where the word doctrine speaks about a set of beliefs that affect our way of living practically and affect the way that we operate uh, in the realm of Christian service as under the Lord. For example, I think of the doctrine of separation. I think of the fact that God is light and that in Him there is no darkness at all. I think of the fact that He teaches us in His Word to come out from amongst unbelieving situations and to stand distinct. And I think about the fact that uh, God speaks to young men in the Bible about uh, their hair, and it is a shame, the Bible actually says, for a man to have long hair. And the Bible speaks to young women, and it speaks about uh, modest apparel. And, and some, someone might say, well, how long is long, or what exactly is modest? And, and we'll not get into all the tedious uh, uh, ins and outs of that, other than to say the Bible does establish doctrine or a set of beliefs about practical things in the way in which we live. So doctrine is not merely relegated to theological tenets of our faith, but the word doctrine can also refer to a set of beliefs, as in the case of a father speaking to a son. And he says to his son, I believe that you should treat your mother with the utmost respect. That is to say, I want you to open the door for your mother. I want you to say yes, ma'am, to your mother. Based upon what biblical doctrine, Father? Based upon the truth of the Word of God, which says, Honor thy father and thy mother. Now, as a father takes a biblical precedent or principle like that, he establishes uh, behavioral responsibilities that are biblically based. And he gives good doctrine regarding the family, regarding uh, the testimony of a Christian. And here we find Solomon saying, my son, I, I want to give you some good doctrine. And I say all of that to tell you that West Coast Baptist College does not exist merely to give you uh, the doctrines of salvation or the doctrine of the Word of God, though that is fundamental to our preaching. But we're also here to glean the doctrines for living a godly moral life. And we're here to glean the philosophy that is necessary for the distinctive life of the minister so that you are not merely someone who knows some theology, but you are someone who reflects that theology in your everyday life. And this is the sense of what is meant by Solomon when he says, I give you good doctrine. Webster defines the word doctrine as a set of beliefs. And I believe that doctrine is really the glue that kind of holds us together. We can have fellowship in a church based upon what do you believe about Jesus? Do you believe he's the son of God? Do you believe he's the perfectly sinless son of God? What do you believe about salvation? What do you believe about the Bible? And, and, and as we align with these doctrines, we have greater fellowship. 
uh, it is not our practice to fellowship outside of the biblical theology that we believe. We can, uh, we can be friendly to some others. We can uh, pray for their needs in times of catastrophe or try to be a blessing. But when it comes to aligning for ministry, we look for doctrinal unity as the basis of that alignment. And so the word doctrine is a word that in one sense divides. Yes, uh, we believe uh, that there are some errant doctrines to be found in certain uh, religious groups that teach that perhaps you can lose your salvation or uh, that teach perhaps you must somehow speak in tongues in order to prove your salvation. We would say that is works and we're not going to have someone teach that on the platform of Lancaster Baptist Church. And so sometimes doctrine divides, but then doctrine also unifies because we're able to fellowship in unity with people who hold uh, to the Word of God. Now, 2 Timothy 3.16 is a key passage relative to doctrine. It says, All Scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for, say it with me, doctrine. Uh, It is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness. Now, again, by way of introduction, every strong family is going to have some doctrine. Many of you have received from your mothers and fathers before you came here some basic doctrine about how to behave, about how to treat others, uh, about how to dress, about, uh, about how to be on time, about how to shake hands and look someone in the eye. These are just some basic principles some of you got maybe in the home. But every strong church is built on strong doctrine, Paul said in 1 Timothy 3.15. But I, if I tarry long, that thou mayest know how thou oughtest to behave thyself in the house of God, which is the church of the living God, the pillar and the ground of the truth. Now, behaving in the house of God, Paul was not saying, Timothy, you better be a good boy and don't talk in church. That's not what he was talking about. The house of God speaks of the lively stones that Peter spoke about and that we as lively stones build up a spiritual house called the local church and and that the church, 1 Timothy 3.15, is the pillar and the ground of the truth. God has commissioned the local New Testament church to be the place uh, where Doctrine upon doctrine establishes a position and people will know that we believe Jesus Christ is the Son of God and the Bible is the Word of God. And what America needs today are churches that stand without apology for the doctrine of the Word of God, the pillar and the ground of the truth. Every strong church is built on such doctrine. Every strong Christian builds his life on doctrine. The Bible says in Colossians 3.16, Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly in all wisdom, teaching and admonishing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing with grace in your hearts to the Lord. And whatsoever you do in word or deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, giving thanks to God and the Father by Him. God says, I want these truths to dwell in you as a Christian. Now, you say, Pastor, why, why the emphasis on doctrine this morning? Why, why are you spending time 
just to deliver this. Guys, look right up here. Look right up here. Some of you ought to have a Bible in your hand and be taking notes as well. You ought to come to chapel to get something from the preachers in chapel. Okay. And so those of you that I'm looking at who have no Bible and no notes, it, it, it will be a repentive spirit that's needed for you to stay in the ministry someday. In other words, every, every single man of God, and I know sometimes I was tired in college, forgot maybe my books, never forgot my Bible in chapel, but I'll be gracious to consider that that may have been a mistake. But guys, I'm going to tell you something. When you have a pastor of nearly 40 years trying to tell you how to build your life and how to build a church biblically, you ought to be tuned in. You ought to say, I need to hear something here today because you're not a completed work yet. None of us are. And so, so listen up now. In this hour, there are many professing Christians showing a disdain for doctrine. There's a belittling of doctrine. I remember years ago a group called uh, the uh, Promise Keepers, and they were trying to get people to come together to big stadiums, and they said, we just want to downplay doctrine and uplift unity. You have no true unity without Bible doctrine. And many times people say, look at just give me Jesus, and, and, and that sounds wonderful, but what they're saying is, I don't want some of the other stuff, but you need to remember that Jesus Christ is the way, the truth, and the life. You're not going to truly be a follower of Jesus and not a follower of the truth of the Word of God. And then others say, but I, I just want to be more collaborative. You know, we millennials, Brother Chapel, we like to collaborate, and, 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 and we want to collaborate with lots of other people. And again, I challenge them. It is not that collaboration should be the goal. Truth should be the goal. If you're a follower of Christ, you will be willing to not collaborate where there is a doctrine that is false that is being accepted. And so many times today there's a watering down of doctrine or a, 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 there is a forsaking of doctrine. Pure doctrine does not come from man or man's philosophy. It comes from God. And here we see in the Word of God, I give you good doctrine. I say all of these things. I call for your attention because you must learn in your life personally, in your family, and in the work of the local church to make much of doctrine. And when someone says, well, we just want to collaborate with these other groups, be careful that you do not become involved in compromise. When someone says, well, you know, we, we just want to make much of Jesus, not a lot of that other stuff, you better be very careful what they're calling that other stuff. Because you want to hold to the truth of doctrine. Now let me give you a few thoughts about doctrine this morning that I trust will be a help to you. And again, I trust you have something to write on this morning. Number one, I want to speak to you about the priority of good doctrine. The priority of it. Verse 2. For I give you good doctrine. God, God is very clear here. I'm giving this to you. I give you good doctrine. Forsake ye not my law. Apparently, this good doctrine is something that we are to hold. We are to hold on to it. We are not to forsake it. Even as Joshua raised up 12 stones at Gilgal as a testimony to God, we are commanded in this Bible, in, in this book of Proverbs, that we are not to remove the ancient landmarks. There are certain ancient landmarks of truth that are not to be moved 
uh, and uh, as we approach the Bible with our whims or according to our accommodating theology. Paul said in 2 Timothy 3 and verse 10, But thou hast fully known my doctrine, manner of life, purpose, faith, long-suffering, charity, patience. When we have someone come into our office to be a church planner or a missionary, the first thing I want to know about is how they got saved. The next thing I want to know about is what they believe. The next thing I want to know about is where their local church is. I want to know they're saved. I want to know what they believe about the Bible, the Word of God. I want to know what they believe about the truths of eternal security, all of these types of things. And I want to know their home church. If they're from a home church that's compromising or collaborating outside the realm of biblical doctrine, it would concern me about supporting them. I, I'm just saying that Paul said, Thou hast fully known my doctrine. I like to shake hands with someone that is standing for the truth unapologetically. They're not trying to be something to me and something to the church down the street and something to the other church down the street. But they are honestly standing for the truth and they're willing to tell you what they believe. Now notice in verse 4, the Bible says, he taught me also and said unto me, Let thine heart retain my words. Listen, in these chapel services, I understand you may not remember every message or every point, but you ought to be sitting here this morning thinking, there's something that could be said this morning that will be one of those foundational pillars that, that becomes a part of me, something that I take into the ministry. I want to retain what God wants me to retain. This is not just uh, you know how to make an airplane or how to make a car. This is how to build a life, how to build a church. I want to hold on to what I'm given. I want to retain. It. So the priority of good doctrine is emphasized in that we need to hold on to good doctrine. Secondly, we need to honor doctrine. Verse 5, get wisdom, get understanding, forget it not, neither decline from thy words of thy mouth. Notice in verse 6, forsake her not, and she shall preserve thee, love her, and she shall keep thee. That's why I, I was so emphatic here already this morning. Listen, get it, write it down. You say, why are you being so emphatic? Because the Bible's emphatic. Retain this. Write it down. Put it in a notebook. Even this past week, speaking to a few dozen of our different graduates, and many of them said, boy, Pastor Chapel, there's something I just want you to know. I, I didn't get it all when I was in the practical theology class, but I'll tell you, I refer to those notes every week now. I'm sure glad I had some good notes in chapel. There's some things I've gone back to from my college days that I'm still using now. Why? Because they recognize I need to hold on to some of this. I'm going to need it when I get out into the battlefield. Look at you don't want to go over to Vietnam. You don't want to head off into battle somewhere and standing out there going, now how do you load this M16 again? You want to know your weaponry and in the Christian life, your weaponry is the Word of God. And you got to retain it. you got to know how it works. It's got to become second nature to you. Hold to the doctrine. And then honor the doctrine. God is very clear that He wants us to honor this wisdom, uh, to, to get understanding, and to forget it not. 1 Timothy chapter 4 and verse 16. If you turn in your Bibles there, please. 1 Timothy 4, 16. And I want you to see how the Bible emphasizes for us this matter of doctrine. And one of the great pastoral epistles that really speaks to my heart about this is 1 Timothy and 2 Timothy. But 1 Timothy 4.16 says, 
Take heed unto thyself and unto the doctrine. Continue in them, for in doing this thou shalt both save thyself and them that heareth thee. Now, God says, I want you to take heed to yourself. That is, walk in purity. That is, let, let not your good be evil spoken of. That, that means make sure that your bills are paid. Take heed unto thyself and to thy doctrine. Now, that's important because you may pass theology in the classroom, but if your life is worldly, then the world does not see the truth through you. So God says, I want you to take heed to yourself and I want you to take heed to the doctrine. Continue in them, for in doing this thou shalt save thyself. You see, the things that you hear in chapel are things that could literally preserve you theologically and personally as you live the Christian life. This is why James 1.8 says, A double-minded man is unstable in all his ways. And I see so many men now uh, talking about collaborative this and that and just only Jesus, just give me Jesus. And, and, and what they mean by that is, don't, I don't want to mess around with a lot of doctrine. I'm glad I'm saved, but let's just keep it right there. But you need to learn the whole counsel of God, the truth of God. Spurgeon said, nothing makes a man so virtuous as belief in truth. A lying doctrine will soon beget a lying practice. A man cannot have an erroneous belief without by and by having an erroneous life. I believe the one thing naturally begets another. You see, your beliefs will affect your behavior. If you don't believe you need the preaching of the Word of God, then it will show in your behavior. If you don't believe that you should abstain from every appearance of evil, it will affect your behavior. If you don't believe that you should flee youthful lust, it will affect your behavior. But if you believe the Word of God, then it will affect your behavior in a good and in a positive way. Beliefs determine behavior. A group of soldiers were preparing for frontline duty. A young soldier handed his buddy a letter and he said, if I don't make it, would you please be sure to give this letter to Sally? Tell her my last thoughts were of her. Tell her that her name was the last word from my lips. And here's a letter for Helen. Tell her the same thing. A double-minded man is unstable in all his ways. And there are many people that I watch as I deal with pastors, and I just think to myself, where is he really? He says he's a Bible-believing autonomous Baptist. He says he, he said he believed in soul winning when he asked me for the money. I think of today an ordination we had last year. We've had about 20 men ordained in this church to become ordained pastors. And um, our deacons were asking a graduate of this college, tell us your belief on the inspiration and preservation of the Bible. Tell us from the Bible your belief about heaven and hell. Tell us about your philosophy of worship. And, and he was answering the questions and doing a very good job. And in the middle of it, one of our older deacons, Brother Michael Michael, he's in heaven now. He said a few years ago, we asked this exact same question to a man that came to our school. He even worked for our pastor for a while and he began to cry. And he said, the man lied to us. He lied to our pastor. He said he believed certain things about the Bible, but that's changed. 
He said he believed certain things about worship, but that's changed. The deacon, as he continued to weep, he looked at that young man, graduate of West Coast Baptist College, going to the mission field. He said, you're not lying to us, are you? A double-minded man is unstable in all his ways. You're looking at a pastor who has written and signed support checks over the years for over 400 different missionaries. And many of them, in seeking financial assistance, have said certain things, but five and ten years down the road have lived a completely different way. I'm telling you, get a hold of your doctrine. Get a hold of your manner of life. Put your hand to the plow and don't let some collaborative, sweet-talking man pull you aside and don't let someone who says, hey, look, we're not really about all the doctrine, just Jesus, that's what it's all about, and, and pull you into some philosophy that is going to take you away from the strong teaching of the Word of God. Don't send a letter to Sally and a letter to Helen and a letter to some other person. You be true. You be faithful to the Word of God. The priority of good doctrine, it's a very strong priority found in the Scripture. Secondly, let me share with this, this truth, the pathway of good doctrine. Once you get a hold of that good doctrine, it begins to set the direction for your life. Now look at verse 11. I have taught thee in the way of wisdom. I have led thee in right paths. All right? Now let's say this together. Verse 11, ready, begin. I have taught thee in the way of wisdom. Now, Brother Gatch, did you see there's a, an activity that coming up for the students? Week from tonight. And that, what one was that? Oh, the banquet. And that involves guys asking girls to the banquet? Oh, wonderful. And how many of you have done that? Guys, would you please stand? If you have your date, just stand. I'm just taking a little survey here. That's pathetic. That is pathetic. Now look at we normally don't try to operate under the guise of guilt, but I'm just going to go there right now. And I want to congratulate you men that are standing. It's wonderful. Let's congratulate them. You can be seated. The rest of you men, get busy. Uh, get busy. We'll be checking on you uh, regularly between now and then. But in my imagination, if I were to imagine all of you that were seated, getting a date, developing a friendship, finding God's one person for your life, getting married having a family. Now that takes a lot of imagination because, I mean, you weren't even standing a minute ago. So I'm having to really stretch this to go there with my imagination. But if that were to happen in your life, there's not a person in here who, when you have children, is not going to set a pathway of direction for them. For example, you're going to lock certain cabinets so they don't drink pine salt. You're going to tell them not to play out in the street. You're going to tell them what time they're going to come in. You're going to tell them who their friends can be. And I don't imagine some six-year-old going, you're a dictator. <laughs> or some five-year-old saying, what a legalist. <laughs> you know, one day, those of you that, you know, kind of complain about some of, the, some of the pathways that you need to walk on, you're going to find out that when you love somebody, you actually set direction for their life. 
Permissiveness is not love. But love always involves direction. Now look, look at what it says there in verse 11. I have taught thee in the way of wisdom. I have led thee in right paths. Let me ask you a question today. Are you easily led in the right paths? Are you teachable? Solomon says, Rehoboam, I've led you. I've, I've, I've led you this in the right paths. Are you someone that is being led well? Whether it's your father teaching you how to shake hands, whether it's your college president teaching you about what type of church to build, whatever the area is, here we see that the pathway of good doctrine does some things for us. First of all, letter A, it provides direction. It provides direction. 38 years ago when I came here to this church, we set some Bible doctrine in place. We, we wanted to emphasize. There was a heavy charismatic influence in this town. We wanted to emphasize. We did not believe in speaking in tongues. And why? We believed in eternal security. And why? And I, would, I preached an entire message of an expose nature on the charismatic movement. And I talked about the fact that we believe the Bible is our full uh, revelation and that we don't believe in doing other things in order to prove some form of salvation. And I set that down and said we are a non-charismatic church. Preached a whole series on it. I preached about the fact that we believe the Bible is the Word of God. I preached a series on the Bible. Why we use the King James Version of the Bible and all these types of things. I just set it down there. We have determined in our church that we'll have a certain type of worship philosophy. We've always wanted it to be fresh and exciting, but not worldly and jumpy and, and a lot of syncopated beat and entertainment forms. Uh, we believe that we should uh, worship God in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, and, and uh, we try to have that balance, and we set that down. We set down as some practical doctrine in this church that if you're going to stand behind the podium and teach the teenagers, you're not going to smoke cigarettes. You're not going to drink alcohol. You're not going to live a, godly, a godless life. And, and, and we set some what we call leadership requirements in place, and we just set those things down. Now, what, what was I doing? I was setting down some doctrine or some beliefs. And as I told you at the onset, some were more theological in na nature, some were more behavioral in nature. By the way, what I'm describing to you is what every godly leader should do, every godly father should do, every godly pastor should do. And sometimes they'll come back and they'll reemphasize those initial founding distinctives. Now, what does doctrine provide in your life? Look again at verse 11. I have led thee in the right path. Doctrine provides a safe path, a godly path of direction for your life. Now, you'll see people that have no particular doctrine and they're very uh, very much given to a, a philosophy of life that is uh, uh, not guided by truth and they're kind of over here on this issue and over here on this issue and everything's very relative to them, you know, well, you know, what is truth, Pontius Pilate said. You know? and sometimes you hear people in politics say, let me speak my truth. Okay? Well, I'm not really interested in your truth or my truth. I'm interested in God's truth. And I want God's truth to set the path. And so every leader must provide that direction. And, and let me say, secondly, letter B, a, a pathway of doctrine provides assurance. Assurance. Look at verse 12. 
When thou goest, thy steps shall not be straightened, and when thou runnest, thou shalt not stumble. It's as if a father is at a campground and his family's enjoying the campground and the children are apprehensive about going out into the woods and they've never done a lot of hiking. It's as if the father has taken time to walk the path and to make sure there's uh, no jagged rocks, to make sure there's uh, no danger along the pathway. And, and the Father has proven this pathway by, by His walking there and His testing there. And now, He says to His children, you can walk this pathway. It's a proven pathway. It's a safe pathway. It's something that I have checked for you. And when you study the word doctrine, you find that it sets a direction and it sets a safe direction. That's why I've tried to find men who were godly Baptist preachers, who stayed faithful in their marriage, who stayed faithful in their ministry, who didn't have scandals around them. They didn't have uh, these types of situations always around them. And I've tried to follow after the pattern of men who've walked a path that brought glory to God. And I know sometimes you say, well, I heard about a preacher that dishonored the Lord. Then don't follow his path. How's that for great instruction? You say, but he was a Baptist and he didn't follow the Lord. That's not a good reason to become a Pentecostal. The right path provides the right assurance. Hosea 14.9 Who is wise and he shall understand these things? Prudent and he shall know them. For the ways of the Lord are right and the just shall walk in them but the transgressors shall fall therein. The ways of the Lord are right and the just shall walk in them. And I thank God for those who've walked on these proven pathways of good doctrine. George Whitfield said, It is an undoubted truth that every doctrine that comes from God leads to God, and that that which doth not tend to promote holiness is not of God. If you follow a pathway that is biblical in nature, you're going to find God, and you're going to follow a pathway that leads you safely to Him. And so we see the priority of good doctrine throughout Scripture. We see the pathway of good doctrine. It leads us in the way that we should go. Notice finally this morning, not only the priority in the pathway, but the provision. Now when someone begins to follow biblical truth in their life, God will provide the needs of their life. Look, if you would, at the great need in verse 18 that is met. But the path of the just is as a shining light that shineth more and more under the perfect day. I believe the first thing that proper doctrine leads us to is the light of salvation. The light of salvation. Good doctrine is doctrine that lifts up the light of the gospel. John chapter 1 and verse 1, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. The same was in the beginning with God. All things were made by Him, and without Him was not anything made that was made. In Him was life, and the life was the light of men. The life of Jesus was the light 
of men. Jesus said, I am the light of the world. And verse 18 says, the path of the just is as a shining light that shineth more and more unto the perfect day. You see, as you follow the path of truth, you will inevitably find Jesus Christ, who is the way, the truth, and the life. Richard Baxter said, men would sooner believe that the gospel is from heaven if they saw more of the effects of it on the hearts and lives of those who profess it. The world is better able to read the nature of religion in a man's life than in the Bible. And when you're on the path of doctrine that is right, you'll not only know the Lord, you'll follow the Lord, and others will see the Lord in you. Boy, it is discouraging when someone says, I'm a Christ follower, I'm a Christian, and they're on every kind of a path and direction. One day they're in the old rock and roll crowd and they're all, all in that and next day they're over here watching some ungodly form of entertainment and all the while saying, I'm a Christ follower. And the unsaved's going, Christ followers do that? Christ followers say those curse words? That's how that works? No. Being on this path is going to lead you to a brighter and brighter life that is reflective of the light of Jesus Christ. It is the light of salvation. Secondly, this path will provide the light of protection. The light of protection. Now, I'm not saying if you keep the curfew. I'm not preaching the handbook of West Coast Baptist College. I'm not preaching that if you keep certain rules like uh, you know, making your bed, things like this. But what I am saying to you is that if you walk according to the Word of God, your life will be protected. I think of A.C. Green who played for the Lakers years ago. He spoke here once at a kind of a youth rally thing we had and gave his testimony. But when Magic Johnson was diagnosed years ago with the AIDS virus, they brought all the Lakers in, and AC told the teenagers this story. They said, we're going to have to test you all now for AIDS because we know that you live a promiscuous lifestyle everywhere we play. We know the girls that are there, and we know what's going on. And AC Green said to the to the medical manager of the Lakers. He said, I don't need to be tested. He was 26 years old. He said, I'm a virgin. He said, I don't, I don't need to be tested. They said, yeah, well, okay, we know you're a Christian AC, but you're going to have to be tested. He said, I'm not going to be tested. I don't need to be tested. I've never known a woman in that way. He was in that moment demonstrating this truth that the right path provides protection for your life. And the protection is found in simply obeying the Word of God. Look at verse 25. It says it this way. Let thine eyes look right on and let thine eyelids look straight before thee. Ponder the path of thy feet and let all thy ways be established. Turn not to the right hand nor to the left. Remove thy foot from evil. And A.C. Green was saying, look it, I... I could have walked to the evil way, but I removed my foot from that path. I stayed on God's path. And if you'll stay on God's path, you'll avoid so much of the trouble of this world just by walking straight with the Word of God, by letting God's Word illuminate and guide you, 1 John 1, 7. But if we walk in the light as He is in the light, we have fellowship one with another, and the blood of Jesus Christ cleanseth us from all sin. You see, this path, it will protect your heart. Look at that in verse 23. For they are life unto those that find them and health to all their flesh. Let me tell you something. 
there's something healthy about following God and following God's word. You'll worry less. You'll be less prone to the growing diseases in this society. Just by following God, you'll protect your heart. It'll protect your talk. Notice in verse 24, put away from thee a forward mouth. If you follow good doctrine, you'll be less prone to say stupid things. I fully expect, as our basketball team plays tonight, that they'll hear cursing out on that floor. I fully expect that they'll hear vulgarity because most of the men we play are not saved. And many of them have no doctrine. Many of them don't even know how to stand in respect for a flag. They've never been taught from a father what respect is. They've never been taught in college like this how to treat a young lady. I'm not speaking against them. I pray for their salvation. But what I'm saying is that when you're walking on the right path of doctrine, it affects what you look at. It affects what you say. It affects the way you live your entire life. How many of you believe that if you're in Christ, you're a new creature? Amen. Amen. Old things pass away. All things become new. It'll protect your heart. It'll protect your talk. Getting on this path will protect your eyes, verse 25. Let thine eyes look right on. It will protect your feet, verse 26. Ponder the path of thy feet and let all thy ways be established. And I'm saying to you, one of the most dangerous things that you can ever do is to belittle doctrine. You're not here to belittle doctrine. You're here to learn doctrine. Whether it is how to be a man of God in your everyday life, whether it is how to treat a young lady, whether it is uh, where you should go for entertainment, or whether it is who is God, or what is the doctrine of salvation, or what is the doctrine of heaven and hell. Doctrine is the glue that will hold your life together. Don't run from it. Don't make fun of it. Don't belittle it. Learn it. Love it. Follow it. It will protect you all the days of your life. My son, I give you good doctrine. Forsake ye not my law. 